If you didn't catch it yet, today marks the beginning of 40 days of growth and engagement. So we are super excited to launch into this. And it's just, God is so clear in the Bible that 40 days are a season, it's a time period that's very important to him. And so you see this from Genesis to Revelation. You see in Genesis, the flood that came to cleanse the earth lasted for 40 days, and then it stops, the rain subside, and then the boat that Noah is in actually rests for 40 days. He's waiting for 40 days to come out and start this new life. And, and you see these 40-day periods all over. You see it with the spies that Moses sends into the promised land, into Canaan, and, and he sends Joshua and Caleb, and they search it out and spy it out for 40 days. And then God allows this giant Goliath to, to, to taunt the people of Israel for 40 days before he raises up the young shepherd David to oppose him. So you just keep seeing this over and over again. Moses went up on Mount Sinai to meet with God for how many days? Okay, some of you are catching this pattern right here. I bet you're really good in math class. So he He's up for 40 days meeting with God, receiving the law, receiving this instruction from him. And then the prophet Elijah, after he meets with God, he goes on this journey for 40 days to Mount Horeb. Now, here's probably one of the most known ones, Jesus to prepare his ministry. He goes into the desert and he fasts for, oh, I think I doubled the amount of people that got that. He was able to, to withstand temptation, launches into his ministry. Jesus goes to the cross, pays for our sin, rises from the dead. And you see in Acts chapter 1, it says, for 40 days, he showed many convincing proofs that he had risen from the dead. And then this actual season that we're in, the time between Easter, where Jesus rose from the dead, and the time of Pentecost, where he poured out the baptism of the Holy Spirit, was how many days? 40 days. And so there's this, this time period that God uses to transform and impact our lives. Now, other religions have even locked in on this godly spiritual principle. So you see that uh, all over. And then even the secular world, I was just reading an article on a news outlet talking about the power of personal transformation in 40 days. They say it takes 20 days to break a bad habit and then 20 days to launch a new habit. And even physiology, even do you know that your body testifies to the power of 40 days? Your skin renews itself every 40 days. So at least at the end of this 40-day period, you're going to be transformed in one way, right? And some of you can speed it up, some exfoliating cream and some lotions. So 40 days. And here, as I was looking at this, it was particularly... Uh, insightful to me because sports teams, I, I saw it in football, in basketball, and soccer, how they talk about doing at least a 40-day preseason before you launch into a season. Why? Because it prevents injuries. It lets your, your muscles build up. It lets your lung capacity increase. It lets your, your tendons and your ligaments stretch out and get acclimated so you don't hurt yourself. So there's this preparation time. In fact, as a coach, I always knew that the prep time before the season was the most important time. I could always tell how my team was going to do by how they prepared. And so God calls people into these 40-day seasons. Now, here's what 
we saw in 2020 is that there was a, a great opposition and really a, a great time of trial for the church, for the church in America. The church in, in many ways was pruned. You've heard me say some of these statistics. Do you know that one-fifth of churches actually shuttered their doors permanently during COVID? So sad. Uh, one, of the, one of the most discouraging statistics, praise God it's not in this church, it's quite the opposite, but 50% of millennials disengaged from church, both in person and online, permanently, haven't returned. And then only now, even with Easter and how much some churches were swelling up and we were so blessed to have so many, only 58% of people have come back to church. You know, the, the thing that happens when there's a pruning, do you know what pruning is? If you've ever done, we, we, we have some fruit trees on our property, you actually prune off the dead branches so that there can be new life. And I, I don't believe that COVID is from the Lord, but it definitely was allowed by him, and I think in some ways it was allowed to, to prune off some of the dead parts of the American church. I think God is, is wanting to do away with the consumerism. He's wanting to, to, to change that, that, that mindset of just entertainment and, and just serve me because God, just like a coach, is wanting to train his people to be a strong and mighty people, an army, a bride. Amen? So that's why I'm excited about a 40-day season of really coming back because there was so much loss. There was so much the enemy wanted to take away, and it's time as the people of God to take back the ground that the Lord wants to give us. So we find ourselves in Deuteronomy chapter 6. I talked about Moses going up on a hill on Mount Sinai to meet with God, and as he goes, God gives this blueprint, this plan, it's called the law, for how his people are to live. Do you know that God has a different way for you as his people to live than the rest of the people of the world? He always had a, a way set up so we could live a set apart, but live a, a blessed and prosperous life. So listen to this as Moses talks about this way that we're called to live. These are the commands decrees and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. They had been in captivity. They had been afflicted. They crossed through the Jordan to enter into a new land. Every time the people of God have been in a time of challenge, of hard press, do you know that God has blessing on the other side if we will follow him? Oh, I thought there were going to be more excitement about that. So listen to what he says. The Jordan to possess so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live. This has not been a good season these, these last decades for the American church. Each decade, we've declined in people connected to the church. Each decade, we've declined in people professing the Christian faith. It's not being passed from children to children to children, but do you know that God's a generational God? God intends for our children to outrun us. And so what does it say? We want to look at these next words. So that your children and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live 
by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you. God is wanting an increase of the fear of the Lord. That's not talking about being scared of God. It's talking about having a holy awe and reverence of God, knowing that he is almighty and he is most powerful. And it goes on to say this, so that you may enjoy long life. So that you may enjoy, say enjoy, church. I love that word, enjoy. I find it very fascinating that it doesn't say so that you might live a long life or so that you might endure a long life or so that you might sustain a long life. I believe that God was very purposeful in putting this word enjoy. I don't know anyone who doesn't want to enjoy life. I consistently ask people how I can pray for them. The majority of people, that the main response I get is I just wanna be happy. You know that that's, that's not a wrong desire. God put that desire in us. I mean, you, you know our Declaration of Independence, that we'd have life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Where we go wrong is when we try to pursue our happiness outside of God's ways. When we try to pursue it in our own manner, in our own ways, that's when we go off track. That's when it leads to destruction and pain and heartache in us. So he's actually saying, hey, if you'll follow my commands and keep my decrees, then you'll enjoy long life. Keep reading Deuteronomy 6.3. Hear, Israel, and be careful to obey, watch this next phrase, so it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. I mean, it's not just enjoy life. He says, so it may go well with you, and so you might increase greatly. 2020, the COVID pandemic, was such a a, a delineating line. I, I, I saw two different, very distinctive groups of people, because I I talked to so many people as a pastor. Here is what is interesting. For those that were really committed to follow God's decrees, to keep his commands, to put him first, it was fascinating when I'd have conversations with them. Many of them, as I talk, I'd say, hey, how how are you doing? What's going on? Many were were apologetic. They'd say, gosh, I mean, there's tons of challenges and, and frustrations and things I don't like, but I'm really doing well. Like I actually, things have slowed down and I have more time to meet with God. Their eyes would kind of twinkle. And then some, I, I talked to them and like, well, well, you know, how's it going at home? And they're like, well, I mean, yeah, we're all on top of each other. And so, you know, it can get a little agitating, but I, I have time for my marriage. Like we're actually working together and, you know, how's it going? Well, it's actually we're enjoying this. My, my, the kids' schedules, have we've gotten off the hamster wheel, and so our family is getting closer. I can't tell you how many people I talked to, and of course there were challenges and there were hardships, but they kept talking about how it was actually going well with them. In the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of a crisis, they were reporting it was going well. Now others, man, the wheels just came off. It was challenging. It was painful. It was devastating. Here, here is the, the fascinating thing. This is what Jesus says, and I, I want to lock in on this. He says this in Matthew 7, 24 through 27. Jesus is talking about how we're building our life. He says, therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. So who's the rock? Who's the rock? 
Yeah, you remember, okay, I'm in church, so the answer is always Jesus. Jesus, but he's actually saying when you put, it's not just Jesus, it's when you put his words into practice. That's a rock, that's a rock to build on. So listen to this, it says the rain came down, the, the pandemic came, the streams rose, the recession hit, and, and the lockdown hit, and the winds blew, the, the political shaking came, and, the, and, the, and it beat against the house, and we could just mention challenge after challenge after challenge of the year, yet it did not fall. Because it had its foundation on the rock, do you understand that you have a faith that even when everything shakes around you, that your life does not have to fall? Your spiritual life can grow in the midst of adversity. Your marriage can thrive even when you have all the, 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 the props knocked out from you. Your family can increase in intimacy and honor and love and unity even when the world is shaking. Your relationships can actually get stronger in adversity if they're built on the rock. But it says this, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rains came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. Men and women of God, you're called to enjoy that it might go well with you. You're called to, to prosper in the land even when adversity comes. So let's continue to look at this Deuteronomy passage. We're going to start in verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. The greatest command that God wants you to keep is to keep him first in your heart. If you want to know what these 40 days of growth and engagement are really all about, it's about you learning to love the Lord more. It's you falling more in love with him, you having your heart warmed with him, you loving being with God and receiving his love. He is so good. But sometimes we have to have a, take a season to just say, I'm gonna actually focus on what's most important. Then it goes on to say this, these commands that I give you today are to be on your hearts, impress them on your children, talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk on the road, when you lie down and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads, write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Did you see that? Homes and houses. It keeps talking about that. Our faith is not just supposed to be a one hour, or an hour and a half on a weekend and a weekend service. It's supposed to translate into our homes. That's why we even do groups in homes, so we can nurture the presence of God in homes, so we can meet with a small group of friends in our homes, so that our children can be involved in our homes. He's saying, nurture it in your homes. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large, flourishing cities. You did not build. Houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide. Wells that you did not dig and vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. There's an interesting thing about the Lord. We understand from scripture that we reap what we sow. Like you sow in, you will reap. We believe in hard work with your hands and that 
then you will see a result. But God says, it's so far beyond that in my kingdom. He says, I'm a good father, and I want my children to go out work, but they're going to get so much more than what they work for. I actually want to pour out blessings on you. I want to give you more than you deserve. That's the heart of God for you. But watch what happens next. It says, then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt and out of the land of slavery. Let me be prophetic for a moment because I believe one of the reasons why our country is in such a mess is because of this one reason. We've forgotten the Lord. This country, I, I, I've had the, the, the privilege to travel the world, been in about 50 different countries. There is no country that has prospered like the United States. We have prospered, and, and the I understand we're in a, a, a poorer area, but even the poor in the United States have so much more than the, the streets of Calcutta, the shanty towns, children running around naked, can't even get clean water. This country has been prosperous. The opportunities, the blessings, but the problem is, is we forget the Lord and we get more into the blessings than the blesser. And so I believe that what God has allowed in 2020 is a shaking so we can wake up because we've gotten more into our comfortable life. We've gotten into our consumerism. We've gotten into our careerism. We've gotten into to our, our, our infatuation with food and drink and sensuality. And God's saying, no, don't forget me. Because God actually is saying, these other things, they're not going to satisfy you. They actually won't lead to your enjoyment. There is a path that I'm leading, I'm lining out for you. Verse 13 says this, fear the Lord, your God. Serve him only and take your oaths in his name. Do not follow other gods, the gods of the people around you. We as Christians, we've gotten too into the gods around us. And I'm not talking about some golden statue that you're bowing down to. I'm just talking about our popularity is a god. Man, do I have so many followers. Looks has become a god. Having this type of, of item, this car, this house, this kind of vacation, those are all blessings. But we start putting them and we start spending our life focused on those over saying, no, God, I want to meet with you. I want to honor you. I want to love you with all my heart heart, soul, mind, and strength. I want to obey your commands and trust that you're going to lead me into that life of true enjoyment, of truly going well with me, of truly increasing. Do what is right and good. But here, here's a fascinating thing. Watch this, next, watch this next phrase. Do not follow other gods, the gods of the people around you, for the Lord your God who is among you is a jealous God. And his anger will burn against you. Can a loving God be angry? Uh, th this is not a popular topic in, in, in the American church. I mean, we don't sing songs, you're an angry God. <laughs> let, let me ask you, can a really good God, a good father, let's, let's say it that way, can a good father, does a good father get angry? Do we, do we have the thought that if you're a really good father, you never get angry? Uh, let, me, let me tell you a story about the last time I got a spanking. 
okay? Robert's last spanking. So last year, no, just kidding. Um, I, have, I have a very loving father. Uh, I'm so excited he'll be in this, this week. They haven't come to San Diego in a year. Uh, a very loving father. Um, I had injured myself. I was a, a, a very young teenager. I had injured myself um, during the summer. It was competitive swim season, and I was about to get to, to be in the, the big invitational meet where they all came in the University of Texas Swim Center, and I was actually uh, competing for the gold medal. And I had injured my knee, uh, and so I was now on crutches. And so I needed to take two weeks off if I was going to be able to recoup for this big, this big swim meet that I, I was so wanted to compete in and so wanted to win. We're at a, a picnic with a bunch of families, and at this picnic, a, uh, a pickup game of, of park football struck up. And, and, you know, so of course, I was going to be content as a teenager to just sit on my crutches and watch, right? No, classic, classic teenage boy. I was like, I can't miss it. And I love football. So I'm like, I have got to be in there. And so I actually, you know, the game starts. I'm like, hey, hey, I'll just play. I'll play all-time quarterback. And so I put my crutches down and literally do this. Hop out on one leg. And so, guys, you know, like park football, it gets brutal. And people are tackling each other. And I'm dodging people on one on my one good knee. And I'm just thinking, I am killing it. And then I hear, Robert. I don't know if you've seen Lion King, but Mufasa. And he's like, Simba. And Simba's like, woo That's what it was like. And I look, and I look at my dad's face, and he's angry. Now, he, he didn't yell at me. He didn't scream at me. My, my dad was so loving, but I can tell he's angry. And he comes over, and there's this anger and this disappointment. Because he's like, you, son, you could hurt yourself permanently for a game of pickup football in the park, and you, you've wanted to do this. And I remember him saying, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to give you a spanking. It was the last one <laughs> I got. And, and my dad actually had tears in his eyes as he did that. And I am so thankful because it marked me, because it taught me that a loving father gets angry when a child is going to hurt themselves. When does a, a loving father get angry when a child is hurting themselves or hurting someone else? And so God gets angry when we're breaking his laws because he's saying, you're not living in what I've said. Like, here, here's how we know that God, some people think of God as like the slave master. Like, God, you just want to control me. I, I kind of, sometimes I had those thoughts as a kid. Here's how we know that God's not that, because he says, so that you may enjoy. No slave master is going like, I sure hope my slaves are enjoying this. Or how about this? God's not even just a boss, right? How many bosses, their, their goal is for you to enjoy your work. Hey, when's the last time your boss said, hey, I need you in my office? Are you enjoying what you're doing? Does, did you enjoy flipping those birds? Like, I just want to, see, I want to see you smile more. Like, that's, that's not a typical boss. 
But God's not a typical boss. He's not a slave master. He's a father, but a father loves, like I love it when my kids are enjoying something, when they're laughing, when they're smiling. And that, I, I, I like that. Why? Because I'm a loving father. That is what God wants for us. Listen to this. It says this. Be sure to keep the commands of the Lord your God and the stipulations and decrees he has given you. Do what is right and good in the Lord's sight so that it may go well with you and you may go in and take over the good land the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors. God's saying, People of God, people in 2021, if you will put me first, if you will go my way, if you will make sure you love me first with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, I really do want to set you up to enjoy life. Can I just tell you, man, I I really thought in my early days, I was like, I'm just laying it down for Jesus. I am just, I'm just going to give it all. I'm just, I I, want to tell you, sometimes I'm like, wow, God, I had no idea. I in the end, I didn't give up anything. Like every time we give, you give so much more back. Lord, every time, every time I, I, I'm thinking, God, I'm going to the cross, I'm having to do this, then I come away going like, wow, that was awesome. Now, I am not saying that life is always easy. I am not saying that there are not challenges. But what I am saying is there is no life like the abundant life. And the abundant life is following Jesus. And so that's that's why we're, we're, we're doing this, this 40-day growth season, would you pick up this book and, and open it to the table of contents? Here's what broke my heart when, I, when we started All People's Church is that I would, I would talk to, to, to people who had been Christians for years. Now, this, this church has many people that are just coming to Christ, they're new to the faith, and I'm, that's so exciting. You're like a blank slate. That's so, that's so fun for us. And, and some of you are like me that grew up in a church and have been in church forever, and, and now God's led you here. But I would, I would talk to people who had been in churches, and they would say something like this. You know, we'd, we'd be having a conversation. They'd go, Pastor, I think I'm a Christian. Like, I, I think I'm, I'm saved. You know, that's, that's why we have the first D, decision. Because in Scripture, it's so clear whether you're a Christian or not. There's two things you've done if you've become saved. You've repented and you've believed. You've repented and you believe. You've said, God, I'm sorry for my old life. And you realize I can't be good enough. I can't save myself and I need a savior. So you put your faith in Jesus Christ and what he did for you on the cross, dying for you. He paid for your sins. And when he rose from the dead, he defeated the power of sin and death. And he comes to live inside of you. So many people live this life where they think God's up here and and we're down here. And yes, God is in heaven, but he puts his Holy Spirit to actually live inside of you. You become the temple of the Holy Spirit spirit if you're saved. And so we have this decision. And so we just started praying, Lord, let every person that comes into all peoples understand they need to make a decision. Let me ask you, have you made that decision? Are you 100% sure that you're saved? Are you 100% sure you're going to heaven when you die? You can be. And we want everyone to know that. So that's why we have the first one. And then let me ask you this, have you ever got to lead someone else to make that decision? Oh my goodness, what a joy it is. The scripture says this in Philemon 1.6, I pray that you'd be active in sharing your faith so that you would know every good thing you have in Christ. 
The joy of getting to see a family member, the joy of getting to see your child, the joy of getting to see a neighbor, the joy of getting to see a coworker make a decision to follow Jesus, it's unspeakable joy. It's unbelievable. So that's what we focus on in chapter one. So listen, uh, starting this week, my, my group meets tomorrow night in my house. Starting this week, we're going to, to take this book. So bring this book with you this week. And we're going to read part of each chapter in our small group. And then we're going to take a step each time we read a chapter. The next one, dunked. You know, there's so many people that they pray to prayer in some service or, or some outside evangelistic gathering or maybe with someone on the radio or someone on TV. And then they're just kind of stuck. Why are you stuck? Because you didn't take the first step of obedience, which is baptism. Repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of sins. It's the first thing that we're told to do. Man, the joy of actually going under those waters and knowing it symbolically stands for your old life passing away and then coming and they say, raised to walk in newness of life. Man, baptisms are a party. I love how we just go crazy. We're gonna have baptisms coming up soon. But this explains baptism in water. It also explains baptism in the Holy Spirit. We wanna be dunked in water, we wanna be dunked in the Holy Spirit. The disciples, man, when the power of the Holy Spirit came on them, that is when the power of God to, to live that fruitful witness, to live free from sin. So that's what dunked is all about. Look, look at this. Each week, we're going to see a video in our small groups. So you're gonna be in your small groups and you'll show a five minute video from different ones of our members teaching on this. So let, let's show this. This is what it's gonna be like in our groups. Getting dunked is being baptized, right? But what is that really about? Being baptized is like an outward expression of what you have already purposed in your heart. Isn't that awesome? Lisa just lights up the camera. She lights up any, any room. Dunked, then the next one delivered. As a Christian, I, I, I found that my life uh, for a good season, it just looked the same as everyone else's, and I just struggled in my thoughts, and then I did a lot of behaviors. I had really some addictive behaviors that I couldn't get free from, and then I, I talked to other Christians. They're kind of like, yeah, we just always deal with that. That's just something you're going to deal with. That is until I, I found this group that was totally on fire for Jesus, and they started walking me through freedom ministry and praying with me. Man, my life got transformed. I got free from things that I had struggled with for years. That's what we call delivered. That's why we have a Freedom Day coming up. You're going to learn more about the different components of freedom in that next chapter. And then discipled. Jesus said, go and make disciples. And yet, what the re recent statistics show is that only 17% of ever of people have been mentored by someone in the Christian faith. And here's, here's a great statistic, 77% say, I want to grow like that. I want to grow in something like that. So where's the disconnect? That's what this church is about. We're trying to help you actually have people investing in you. That's what these growth groups are about. That's what life groups are about. That's what individual discipleship is about. When someone started pouring into my life, man, it changed me. And then lastly, the last D is deployed. Our vision statement, transforming lives to bless San Diego. 
You're familiar with the word deployed. We live in the largest military city in the world, San Diego. People are deployed on mission. Jesus has given you a specific blueprint. Just like you have a fingerprint that's unique to you, no one else in the world has it. He has given you specific giftings. He's given you a specific calling. But so many people never lock in on their God-given design, never uncover their God-given gifts, never lock in with the sphere of society they're called to or the people that they're called to reach. And so you never live in that fulfillment. And that's what Deployed is all about, is helping you lock into your God-given purpose. When you do that, you start experiencing fulfillment. You're, it's like a hand in a, a glove. It's like all of a sudden you're feeling the, the wind behind your back. And so that's what we long for, for all of you. So let me finish with this. I, I grew up in the, uh, the generation of Saved by the Bell. Zach Morris unapologetically was my hero. Uh, and one of the reasons is he had, he had such a cool group of friends. I mean, and I don't mean like they were all cool. It just meant they, they gelled together, right? Screech, Slater, right? The, the scrawny, nerdy guy and the beefcake uh, wrestler. And um, I don't know if that was, any of that was PC to say. Uh, but... He had this group, and, and they were always together, and they always hung out their spot. Or I also grew up in the generation of Cheers. Anybody remember that show? Anybody remember Cheers? Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name, and they're always glad you came. Can anyone sing this with me? You want to be where you can see. Troubles are all the same. You want to go where everybody knows your name. The church. Growth group. Uh, I, I was always trying to, to, to find a group like that, but it was so frustrating in the world because you, you'd come and hang out with people and then they're just cutting each other down or they're, they're gossiping or backbiting or trying to climb some social ladder or, or you're out or you're in. It was clicky, it was hurtful. Or man, with guys and girls, you're like, man, you're like a sharking on that person. And, 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 and I'll never forget getting a part of my first, my first. Jesus-loving small group. We met every week under this oak tree outside on our, our university campus at 11 p.m., <laughs> classic college. 11 p.m. every Wednesday night. But we would spend an hour or more with each other and would, would sing, would share burdens with each other, would actually pray for each other. I mean, I remember one of my friends, they were going through, their, their parents were going through a divorce and we came around to them. Another one, there was an accident and we came around them and we, we really got to know each other. We, we studied the Bible together. It was, it was the community I had been looking for my whole life. Now, was it perfect? Of course not. Did it have problems? Of course it did. But you understand that only the people of God have a supernatural love called agape love. It means unconditional love. And let me just ask you are, you, are you living in Christian community? Are you living in that? That's what you were created for, and that's when you begin to grow, and that's when we become transformed. So look at this. If, if everyone would take this sheet in front of them, would you just grab this? This is in the chair in front of you. Everyone hold this sheet. This is the 40-day prayer calendar. So what we believe is that God's 
he's launching us into a 40-day time period. And, you know, we can't do it on our own. So the fuel for everything we do is prayer. So what, what we're asking is, would you take this calendar, would you put it on your refrigerator, would you put it on your mirror? I'm going to put it mine on my desk. Uh, that, and, and literally, it will take you, if, if you see these different weeks, these, these six weeks, these 40 days, you'll see the first one is decision. So the first week, and, and it'll take you literally three seconds. So tomorrow, we're going to pray for a fresh start and a new hope. I mean, you can literally just read that phrase, Lord, give me a fresh start and a new hope. Give that to my family. Give that to my church. Or you could take longer praying that, but would you just pray this, and let's see what God does. Then, if you take this little brochure right here, and, and my challenge for you because so many people, so you guys have been amazing, your response to this, have, have signed up. If you're not already in a life group, if you're in a life group, let me just explain. Uh, we have life groups in this church. If you're in a life group, we're going to all go through this together. So your life group is going to be your growth group. But we just are launching, actually there's either 17 or 18 groups, a couple of them didn't make it on, on the screen. And, and then there's one, you saw, can you just put up that map again? You saw this one in the ocean. Um, if you want to just go out in the ocean. Now, um, this is the online group. So if for some reason you can't make it to one, uh, with, when you put our life groups and all our growth groups, there's, there's going to be one in everyone's area. But for some reason you can't do that. Uh, you need to be online. There's an online group to join. But just do this. Take your phone and uh, both iPhones and Androids. If you just scan this little QR code right here, you're just going to open. Just do it real quick. Just watch. It's just worth doing. So cool. Um, scan this code right here. There we go. And it immediately brings up this little questionnaire. It'll ask you just a few questions. And then you'll have one of the leaders. Uh, it'll show you the different groups, and then one of the leaders will be able to contact you to be able to get in this group. If you can't do one in person, at least jump in the online one. And what we're going to be doing is giving God this 40 days to say, Lord, I want to grow in you. There's just something about growing in our faith and not just being stuck. And then I want to engage in community. I want to draw near. I want to, I want to actually develop relationships with people. And let's give God this 40-day season and see what he does. Why don't you stand up with me?